I love this story because it in no way, shape, or form is a straight road. It is a winding road. The entire story, if you've gotten to be a part of this series with us, there's been so many twists and turns. Now, uh, straight seems easy. Twisted seems difficult. I, uh, I grew up in West Texas. In fact, I, just a few weeks ago, um, got a chance to go back to my hometown, Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock, Texas is laid out in literal squares so that all of the, uh, the east-west streets are first, like literally first street, second street, third street, fourth street, fifth street. It's laid out like that. And then all of the north-south streets are laid out Avenue A, Avenue B, Avenue C. You can get anywhere. It's amazing. It's awesome. You know exactly where you're, when you are. And, and when you get to like Avenue Z, you know what they do? They start over. And they go to A, Akron, then Boston, then Canton. And I kept trying to remember the roads, right? This is how you learn. Very simple, very easy, very straightforward, the easiest thing in the world. Cue moving to Franklin, Tennessee. And driving the back roads, you know, like, listen, thank God for I-65, right? But when you get on the back roads out here, what in the world is going on? There's no shoulder. And if you go off where there's no shoulder, you will die. Have, you, have y'all felt that? Did y'all not feel that? For a good six months, I was like, I, like driving around this place is insane. It's amazing, and there's all these twists and turns and ups and downs, and it's like, listen, if you go off the shoulder in Lubbock, Texas, you just go, and then just move right back on. That's all there is, all right? It's flat. It's straight. It's north and south and east and west. The whole thing's, but twists and turns are amazing. In fact, I've taken all of my children at, when they're 10 years old, I take them on a special trip, and we've always gone through the mountains east of us to the Smoky Mountains, and you go through these mountain passes, and it's like winding, and it's up and down. It's the most unbelievable thing, and you figure out really quickly all these twists and turns. It's way, way more difficult. It's way more challenging. You have to be way more alert, but oh my gosh, it's so much better. It's so much, the, the payoff is incredible to get to go around and see the mountains and the hills and the ups and downs and the twists and turns. And I fear what we like, what we think we want and what we like is fast and straight, getting as quickly as we can to the point that we have set out in front of us. And when we experience ups and downs and twists and turns and maybe even going backwards at times, it feels really difficult, really challenging. And we don't always like it, but the truth is often those twists and turns are actually leading to something way more beautiful, something way greater, something way grander. I think oftentimes we'll feel toxic shame if our lives take a turn or we have a hill that we're trying to climb that doesn't feel like we're going very far, very fast, or we're going through difficult seasons or moments, twists and turns, and we often will feel toxic shame in our lives because we're not on this fast pathway to get to this amazing place that somehow exists out there. And I think we come to the Lord often like, I'm so sorry, I'm going, I'm, you know, have you ever found yourself in a valley and you're like down in a valley and it's dark 
and you don't feel like there's a lot of light in, the, in front of you and you're not sure how this thing is going to go, have you ever found yourself in that place in life and you're just going like, we're coming like, God, I'm so sorry I'm in this valley. I'm sorry for this winding road that's not really going there quick and fast. We often come to him that way. And I think the Lord, I think even through this book is trying to say, I know you're not on this fast, straight track, but who do you think created the road in front of you? Who do you think is creating the road in front of you? The Lord God Almighty is the one who's leading us faithfully. For all who call on him, let me tell you, God's not afraid of the twisting, winding road. He's not. We don't like it because we like to be there tomorrow. And how many of you have some goals? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you got goals or desires or hopes or dreams that are in front of you that you would love for it to be straight, fast, and you'd get there tomorrow? You would love for it to be that way. The Lord's saying, will you trust me on the winding road? See, in Christ, the life of genuine faith is absolutely 100% going to lead to glory, but it will have twists and turns. This is the promise for you. If you were here, you've given your hope, your life, your, all of your uh, all of everything that is in you, your possession, everything, when you give it to the Son of God, then you have a guarantee and a promise of future glory you and I cannot begin to even imagine. It is a guarantee. It's locked in. But it's a winding road at times. There are twists and turns. And you might even go, Pastor, some, sometimes, isn't it true that some of my poor decision-making and the broken things in me are creating some of the twists and turns, creating some of the ups and downs. You bet. Absolutely. But hear this. If you are what you and I might call redeemed, we use this word redeemer. If you've been redeemed, I mean, you've been brought into the family, you've been pulled in by Jesus and you've been brought in to a real relationship with him, then every twist and turn and every mountaintop and every valley are a part of his plan to deliver you to future glory. And it sounds good to preach, but no one loves the moment in the valley. And they certainly didn't love it here as we've talked and we've discussed over this last several weeks. John chapter 10, Jesus says it this way. Listen, I've given them eternal life and they never will perish and no one will snatch them out of my hands. Speaking of all who follow him, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. What he's saying is no one and nothing is going to thwart the plan of God for eternity. Nothing, nothing will take, take it away. Nothing changes it. No one can steal future glory from you and from me. It is plausible for every one of us to have covering and gladness and favor of God and yet still walk through fire. 
You can be under the covering and the care of God and still walk through the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. That's not the evidence. When you and I go through ups and downs and twists and turns, and sometimes it feels like two steps forward, but four steps back, you ever been there in your journey of faith? And you're wrestling through and fighting through, and you're asking, like, has God forsaken me? Where is he? Is that what's actually happening? No. When you and I walk through the twists and turns, it's not the evidence that God's forsaken you. It is the invitation for every one of us to hold on to him tighter. If you find yourself in a moment, even today, where you're wrestling through some things, there's one of two ways that can go. You can believe that you've not done enough to get God's wisdom and favor as if we ever could, and therefore he's left you alone until you get your stuff figured out. And when you get your stuff figured out, then you can come back to God and present yourself clean before him. How exhausting is that? I do believe there's so much of the Christian life that has lived that way, unfortunately. Or you and I can come and say, God, I'm in the valley. I'm in the twist. I'm in the turn. I'm up this mountain. It feels insurmountable. And you can reach and cling to him and say, God, have me, hold me, lead me in this moment. I trust you. That's the invitation. That's the invitation that every one of us has. I love it when uh, Jesus, he's got these men, disciples, men and women actually following him. He sends out, he's got the 12, but then he's got 72. And he sends them out and they're seeing God do amazing things through their ministry. These guys, let me tell you, if you got any guys that don't really have any business being in ministry, it's these guys. They're just normal dudes. And, it's the, and by the way, the most beautiful thing all throughout scripture is that God is just using normal human beings just like you and me. And he uses these, he sends these 72 out and they come back and they're like, oh my gosh. We, we cast out demons. We saw God do amazing things. We're just there partnering, praying and in Luke chapter 10, Jesus says to them, listen, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Now, why does he say these things to these followers? Well, one, because along the journey, they're going to face serpents and scorpions. That's the point. You're going to face serpents and scorpions. That's going to be a part of, meaning not a straight line. There's going to be some challenge. And then he says something very unique, and nothing shall hurt you. Now, what do we know about all the disciples, even just from church history? What happens to all of them? They're all martyred. So Jesus makes a peculiar statement here. He says, nothing's going to hurt you, but also, this is not, <laughs> it's not totally a Disney movie ending. Now, it's going to end in unbelievable glory. In fact, when you read Revelation, the position the 12 have in heaven is unbelievable. 
But this thing is gonna end in glory for you. That's the promise. But it's not going to be a straight line. Meaning on your journey, you're gonna have extraordinary life. You're gonna be called into walking with extraordinary power. Hear this follower of Jesus. Extraordinary life with extraordinary power that's given to you by the Spirit of God. That is all going to be true on the winding road. But there's something that's more important than the extraordinary life and the extraordinary power that you and I get to walk in. And what does he say? The very next verse. But nevertheless, do not rejoice in this power that's being given to you, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Meaning, rejoice in your future glory. Set your eyes and set your gaze on the one thing about you that matters. You are his forever. So that when you come up against the serpent and you come up against the scorpion and the enemy comes against you and it's not a straightforward road and there's division and there's hardship and there's sadness and there's disappointment and there's failure and there's setback in all of the winding journey. Rejoice that your name is written forever in the Lamb's book of life. This is your treasure forever. No one can steal that from you, son or daughter. So rise up in power. Step into the journey. Be okay with the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns. God's leading you to future glory. And that winding road God is using on purpose so that you'll just keep clinging to him. It's almost like a, good dad that just says, listen, I want to make this easy. If, if When you're trying to train your kids on something, I'm going to make this easy for you, but not too easy. I'm going to let you feel just a little bit so that you know that there is someone who is watching over you and caring for you, leading you, building you, growing you, changing you, transforming you, walking with you. I want your heart set on truth. And so the question is this, can you and I walk with patience while we're on the road to glory? Can you just be, can we be patient as we walk on the road to glory? That's what we actually get to see. We're at this moment here in the book. We talked about it a little bit last week, last week but we are watching this story between Boaz and Ruth and They've come together at the end of chapter three and you want them to be together. But Boaz says, listen, there's something we gotta do. We gotta do this the right way. We can't transgress the heart of God and his law and what he set in motion. It's not right for me to come and take you. He could, under the cover of night, he could absolutely go and take Ruth for himself and try to make a claim. But he doesn't do that. And every one of us are going, Ruth and Boaz are supposed to be together. This is like, this is supposed to happen. We want to have it right now. Make it happen. He says, no, we're going to go the right way. There's one who has a legal claim before I do. It's not straightforward. We're going to be willing to go on the winding road. And there's some doubt and there's some question. Like, hey, 
It kind of feels like a God, if you're in this, just make it super easy and make it super clean. Right, if God's in it, why don't you just make this thing happen? No big deal. Why don't you bump off the other kinsman redeemer? I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying that's God's heart, but I'm just saying, you know, like, hey, God, make this thing easier. But that's not the heart of the Lord. The heart of the Lord is this. It looks like there might be a roadblock here. And in fact, they begin to have a conversation in which this redeemer says, yeah, I want the land. Yeah, I want this. And all of a sudden, you're going, this thing's not gonna work out. Where's this thing headed? We thought it was super straightforward and clean, and the Lord says, no, but will you trust me and will you be patient with me as I lead you toward glory? Chapter four is that promise, listen, God has future glory for you and for me. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're walking through, no matter what your circumstances are, There are promises that are so far beyond what you and I could imagine. So the question is, are you okay with the journey? Are you okay with the journey? Where are you? Are you okay with the journey? Are you okay if everything is not fully and totally settled? Do you believe and trust? It's a question we actually get to ask ourselves as we watch and see this story. Are you okay for the right turn that you didn't see coming? Do you lose faith? Have you lost hope? You feel like, man, God, are you even here? Do you see what's going on? Make the way straight and clean and clear. You find yourself there? I know that there's a, that sentiment out there. Um, the destination is the journey. You ever heard that before? And rolled your eyes. You ever, come on. Come on, the destination is the journey. You roll your eyes. <clears throat> I think the Lord would just say it this way. I'm the journey. I think that's how the Lord would say it. I don't think the Lord would say the destination is the journey. He says, I'm the destination. I am the journey. I'm the journey. Will you just trust me? Will you keep holding on? Um, it was so fun getting to watch uh, my daughter and my oldest daughter in the fifth grade. She decided to play basketball first time ever. She loved it. She loved playing the game, enjoyed doing it. So she jumped in on the team but she was playing with uh, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. So she was what you would call a bench warmer. Um, she was good, but she was just a kid. But she wanted to be so much better. And she wanted to be able to play, and she wanted to be able to contribute, and she was, found herself frustrated all the time because she was just still trying to figure and learn this game out. And I remember having conversation after conversation after conversation. And here's what, here's what I got. And we, by the way, we still have this conversation to this day. Are you okay with if just getting 1% better? Just 1%. You want, as a fifth grader, to be able to be playing here at this level. Are you okay with the journey to get there? Sidebar. She was in eighth grade last year playing on the varsity team. I just get to say that, proud dad. But uh, uh, all right, playing with ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. But 1% better. Are you okay with the journey? Are you okay if everything is not totally settled, but you can trust him in the journey? Do you have that relationship with the Lord where you go, Lord, I know that I've fallen short here. I've failed I'm hurt, I'm disappointed, things haven't worked out in a particular way that I was hoping for or longing for. 
and it seemed like there was this straightforward thing and it hasn't worked out that way, do you have a relationship with the Lord where you can come to him and say, God, but I trust you on the journey? That's the whole book has been showing us this story one step after another, the twisting, winding road. We have the benefit, by the way, of hindsight when we get to read this story You and I get to see that Naomi in chapter one is so distraught and hurt by losing her sons and losing her husband and having almost nothing to live for. We have the hindsight of finding out she's going to be the great, great grandmother of the greatest king in the history of Israel and who's the line and whose line will produce the son of God, Jesus Christ, unto us. We have the hindsight of that. Poor sweet Naomi does not have... (laughs) She don't have that, chapter one. Now that is a winding road. I wouldn't pray or wish on anyone. But the question is being asked of us, do we trust in the power and life and goodness and glory of God in the journey? That's what we get to see. You go back to chapter one. Remember what she says, what Naomi says? Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? She says, don't call me Naomi anymore. She says, call me much. She says, effectively, call me bitter because the, the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. That's what she says in chapter one. She's hurt. She's sad and she's disappointed. But is it true? What's, what's the Lord doing? Small side thing, what's he doing? He just gives her a Ruth. She's saying, you took everything from me. She says, I went away full. In verse 21, I went away full. The Lord has brought me back empty. But what does the Lord give her? She gives her Ruth. So I got you. I got this. Now, that's not, the full, that's not the full place where the Lord's leading. But at that point in her winding journey, what does she have? She gets Ruth. Just the Lord's little signs. Naomi looks at Ruth, she says, I, I can't produce a husband for you. There's nothing I can do about it. I have nothing for you. You can come and live with me. You can walk on this journey with me, but listen to me. I've got nothing I can do for you. She literally says that. There's no way we can produce this. This is gonna be a difficult life ahead. But what does God have? God has a Boaz that she's gonna happen upon his field. The Lord sees. God has Boaz out there. We don't ever really even, we didn't get to talk about it a ton going through this series, but you know what happens? You know, Ruth and her husband, they're married for 10 years. She's barren. Can't have children. Now, listen, if you've you've ever walked through or, or wrestled with infertility, you know how difficult that can be. I'd say, especially in a culture that values uh, family and pouring into uh, an inheritance, the name continuing forward, even the whole point of the kinsman redeemer, and we're watching her. It's incredibly difficult. Ten years, no children, devastating. And God says, yeah, but nothing is impossible with me. Nothing. Will you trust me on the winding journey? God, God has answers for all the setbacks, all the disappointments, all the hurts, all the losses, all the failures. He's there. He's the redeemer that is waiting in the wings if we will trust him. 
in this final chapter where Boaz does what's actually right, and he goes through the process, and he asks the kinsman redeemer who's closer, he says, hey, will you redeem this land? He says, absolutely, I'll redeem the land. He says, well, there's a catch here. If you redeem the land, it's also going to come with the owner of the land or the one whose inheritance is in the land, this widow of Maclon, and you're gonna have to take his wife, and he goes, no, no, I can't, I can't take that on. Likely, he had his own children, and he didn't want to take on a piece of land that he was going to then have to give that land not to his own family, but to this new family that he tried to create. And he was like, I don't, I don't want to create that chaos. And so he passes on it, and he sets it, gives the land over to Boaz. We get to see God doing what God does. He preserves and he protects through the waiting. God preserves and protects through the waiting through the ups and through the downs. Therefore, nothing ever gets lost on him. And every step that we take actually has purpose and meaning. Meaning this, your everyday life matters. Not just the awesome destination you're trying to get to, but today in the journey, where you're at matters matters to God and it means something. Wherever you're at in this journey, wherever you find yourself, it matters. Ruth is teaching us that God's purpose for life, for all of his people, is to connect us to something greater than ourselves. And we get to be on a journey discovering what that is. That God wants us to know that when we follow him, Our lives always mean more than what we think they do. There's always more meaning in the journey, in tomorrow. Tomorrow's gonna be a Monday in the middle of the summer. And it's meaningful and it matters to God. It's a part of the journey. We go, wow, it's it's a throwaway day. And the Lord says, no, every moment has meaning, meaning, meaning. For the Christian, for the follower of Jesus, there's always a connection between what feels like is ordinary to the stupendous, glorious, powerful works of God. He makes this connection. In him, he always makes the connection. There is no meaninglessness, meaning everything that you and I do in obedience to God, no matter how small, is significant. That's how it works on the journey. Everything that you and I do, the small thing unto the Lord with a heart of faith and trust, it's significant. It's leading to glory. That's the deep satisfaction, actually, that we all get right now. Is that, hear this. Nothing in your life is trivial. Nothing. Now, listen, we can give ourselves over to trivial things in this life all the time. There's all kinds of fun things to go do. Some of them are great relationship building things. Some of them are just goofy. I love sports. I love sports. I grew up playing, watching. But can I just be gut level honest with you? Like, the Super Bowl is nothing in light of eternity. The, meaning the culture we live in that 
the greatest, biggest, coolest things. The thing that, by the way, you could literally hate football and you still go to Super Bowl parties, don't you, right? That's how big, that's how much we give credence to it. I'm thankful for these things, they're fun, whatever, they're cool to, to watch, but let's be honest about what's actually important. We can do a whole bunch of trivial things, but listen, if you're in Christ, you're, the smallest little thing you do by faith in the journey is significant in him. It means something. Your life matters. Your life means something. It's powerful. It's beautiful. We just get to see Ruth here. You just serve your mother-in-law and you just go and glean the wheat in the field and you fall in love and get married, have a baby. All that is connected to eternity. That's the point of the message at the end, right? That's why they give us the that's why they give us the genealogy is to say it's all connected to something way greater. I would just say this. You have, I think, not even begun to imagine how meaningful your life actually is in Christ and that your everyday trusting him and walking with him matters forever. It matters. Everything you do at work Everything you do with your family, with your spouse, with your children, with your roommates, with your friends. When we do it unto him and trust him with our lives, it matters, it's meaningful. And so let's be patient with the journey and trusting him. You guys stand with me. We're just gonna take a moment three minutes left. And if you would just close your eyes. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you've asked him to be Lord and Savior, to take sin and brokenness and shame and guilt away from you. And, and you've made that exchange where he gives you his life and glory and his goodness, holiness and purity. If you've made that exchange. Can you just freshly receive that from him and, and express gratitude to him for what he's made? He's given you now a brand new life. So Lord, we just let gratitude rise up. You saved us from the ashes. you let me trust you and obey you even in the small places would you let me walk with you in the winding journey and trust you just like Naomi and just like Ruth just commit your way to him not by your own strength but just saying God God 
Would you walk with me? Would you come be with me? And would you just ask him, Lord, would you, by your spirit, speak to me and lead me each and every day? I want to hear from your heart and walk with you. Lord, we choose patience to walk with you in the journey. The winding road is sometimes more challenging, but it leads to life. It leads to glory. It leads to greatness. We thank you for your promise of future glory. Would you help us to set our eyes on what is ahead? Not just where we're at, but to see you high and lifted up, to continue on with hunger and passion, power that you give. But I also pray right now that we'd rest, that our names are written in your book. And if you're here, by the way, and you're not a follower of Jesus, you've not given your heart to him, not asked him to cover you, to remove sin and to give you righteousness, that invitation is here for you. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand or come down front, but I am gonna invite you into a real relationship with God of the universe who crafted you and has designed for you and has future glory for you. Lord, lead us towards future glory, we ask, because you're a good father and you give good gifts to your children. We trust you. We walk with you today on the winding journey. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Blessings. We'll see y'all next week.